Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to Ausbiz, Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. Great to have your company. Just gone midday. And that means it is time for the call. Henry Jennings from Marcus today. Uh, Henry, good to see you. Good You're to see well. You. I am well, David. Good. Thank you. And Andrew Whelan from Dornbush Partners, um, based in Toowoomba in Queensland. Andrew, good to have you as part of the call again. Thanks, Koshi. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, now, have you two sort of locked horns in the past <laughs> as well in previous guises? No. No, no, not at all. Henry and I are besties. We're besties. <laughs> well, it is, it is good to have the old team back together again for the next hour or so. I look forward to your comments on each of the 10 stocks. Let's get straight into it. Um, and the first one up, uh, um, Andrew, let's kick it off with you. IDP Education, sort of in the, that um, international student placement market, isn't it? Um, which is pretty yeah. well put on hold at the moment. Not a not a happy little place to be at all, you'd think, Koshi. Um, certainly relating to borders being closed and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, and obviously that English English uh, testing proficiency business that they've got as well, that's a big part of their business. Going out and raising that money that they did, though, um, seems to be pretty solid for them. Uh, that share purchase plan, I think, closes uh, on Friday. No, Monday, rather, uh, at uh, $10.65. Uh, I would note, though, that that short interest is rising in the business. And look, on a PE of 45 times, it's pretty demanding. So uh, probably not probably not one that's uh, on my radar at the moment. Okay. Um, what do you reckon? Um, I guess it's one of those sentiment recovery stocks. And we've been focusing yeah. a lot of those in the newsletter in terms of uh, stocks that have really been bashed around the head and should do well coming out of uh, the, uh, the virus the, the, I guess the issue is whether we do come out quickly or slowly or whether we sort of porpoise and go back in from time to time. But certainly, as Andrew says, these guys are involved in uh, English language tests for, uh, for university entrance. A lot of their business now is shifting to, to online, which is really, really good. Um, that digital side of things, yep. which they've really made a big push for. So that, that's certainly a positive. But I don't know. It, it's, it's tough. I mean, we're being told at the moment we've got uh, no travel uh, overseas until the end of the year and then that's going to be reciprocated of course people won't be able to come here so easily so it is going to be tough for them I think going forward as Andrew says they have raised money which is yep. good um, and at it's around 1050 1065 I think it was a lot uh, less than today's price yeah so that that's also you know that's a positive that does shore up that balance sheet I think they raised around 225 million from memory right. so um, that's a positive they've bounced I just I, w I worry they'll sort of flatline a little bit from here right. um, just until we get some more clarification of what's happening. You know, a lot of their students come from India. Uh, clearly, that that's potentially could be a hot spot for the, uh, for the coronavirus outbreak. So 
Um, at the moment, I think it's, it's probably a hold at best um, right. after this rally. If we do see some more good news, they could have another leg higher. Right, and just watch out. One of those, one of those ones that's, Andrew, a bit in the lap of the gods, isn't it, at the moment on, on trying to forecast forward. But if, if you're a shareholder at 1050, is it a worthwhile investment? Or 1065 yeah. is the raise oh. now? Yeah. And you just had that chart up there before over five years. I mean, it's been a ripper over five years. It's up yeah. 300 and odd percent. Um, share price today is, what, 1450, despite it being a pretty ordinary day for the market. You're getting them at 1065. Um, I could think of worse things to be happening to me. So, uh, yeah, look, from that point of view, it's uh, it's probably worth a bit of a look. But again, without, you know, labouring the point, 45 times earnings in a, an environment where a million people joined the unemployment queue three weeks ago. Um, yeah, it's new people. I'd be very wary existing if you think you're underweight, having to add to it at those levels. Right. OK, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, and I think you know, I think it's worth pointing out that when the when you get these SPPs at such big discounts, you're going to get scaled back. There's four dollars yeah. there sitting there of, of of free money, effectively for for retail shareholders. So you are going to get scaled back. Um, so be prepared for that if you have been selling in advance right. and picking up the cheap stock. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I know for IDP, um, Henry. What about Nearmap? Um, fascinating business. Aerial imaging business. Yes. New technology. Yep. It's had a, a pretty good run the last couple of days, hasn't it? It has had a great run. Um, it's, it's been a funny one, Nimap, because it was starting to show signs of struggling before we went into the, the coronavirus yeah. outbreak, of course, in, in the US. Um, a lot of their business is based in the US, um, but they did show signs that there was starting to be a little bit of churn happening with some of their bigger customers. And that clearly upset the market, even going back to uh, you know, the beginning of the year, looking at my little charts here, they were around $2.60 and then they started falling uh, even before the, uh, the virus hit it back down to around two bucks and then of course collapsed. So that it's been a great rally in the last few weeks. I'm not sure that that is based on anything more than just hope. Um, but it, again, it's, it's one of these tech stocks, it's one of these tech darlings that we have in our market and because we have such scarce uh, kind of sector in the tech stocks, I mean, we don't yeah. really have that many, it's not like the US. So when you see NASDAQ going ballistic and going you know, to, to the highs where it has been in the last month, um, these things follow suit. Yeah. You know, and they're, because they're scarce, they get pushed a little bit too hard. I've, I've got them in my small cap portfolio and uh, I've been riding the kind of the wave uh, upwards but I think at these kind of prices, after that big surge in the last few weeks, it's probably time to take a few uh, profits off the right. table because they could quite easily just drift back to a dollar fifteen again, dollar ten right. without too much trouble. Good company though, is it? Well it's a good. Run? It's a great company. It's got great technology. It uh, it is well run. It, it, it mainly does it for governments, doesn't it? And big corporates. Yeah, and count, councils and these councils, these sorts yeah. of things. Yeah. Um, I, I, there's something inside me that keeps, and I've, I've said this before on on. on various forums you know there's something inside me that thinks that maybe there's a use for this in this in this coronavirus in terms of being able to 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 map uh, groups of people or or, or whatever uh, in terms of traffic numbers or, or whatever but um, there's something there um, which I think if they played it well and I'm sure they will try to that they could really sort of kick their business but be good uh, if they could take temperatures <laughs> 
<laughs> well, <laughs> it's people walking around. Well, that's that's a fantastic. I mean, in, in theory, why not? I mean, yeah. you see that on the, we see it on the movies all the time yeah, exactly when the, right. when the Marines go in and they yeah, spot yeah. Bin Laden and he's got the the heat yeah, sensor on. They use it on they use it on Homeland all the time. Exactly. So <laughs> it must be it must be true. <laughs> it must be possible. So I, I think there's something there that's just <laughs> nagging in the back of my mind that says that there's there's some applications here going forward that we haven't really considered. But um, I think after the run it's had, I'm just tempted okay. to take a few profits. All right. Andrew, what do you think of Nearmap? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a smaller cap, as, as Henry said. It's only $660 million. So compared to, say, IEL that we were just talking about, you know, $3.7 billion, So we're not really comparing like with like. I like the fact that they've been cutting costs in the business and now forecasting to be cash flow neutral by 30 June, which is about 18 months earlier than expected. So importantly, you know, one of the themes in our chat today should be around potential for capital raising. That's off the table with uh, with Nearmap. So, you know, that's a positive. Um, it's the Australian business is highly profitable. So certainly from that point of view, it's whether they can turn that US business around and given all the challenges in the US at the moment, short interest is falling. So, you know, the people wanting to bash it are abating, if I can put it so technically. But as you said, you know, up 18% yesterday, um, look again, it's probably I'm with Henry. I'd probably struggle to pay a dollar fifty for it, but you know, damn, at dollar ten, dollar twenty, I'd probably be pretty interested in it. Um, our third stock, uh, Simic, two for two. Uh, the international contractor, sort of in that uh, telco engineering infrastructure um, industries. Um, Andrew, what do you think of Simic? Well, Henry's been in this game longer than I have. And of course, we'd remember back to the days of Leighton's and, and yeah. Wall King. And, you know, it's it's certainly a business that has been all over the show. Um, arguably a trader's dream, if you're willing to take a two or three year view as to how it's bounced around. Um, when I was looking at it uh, earlier, it blew my mind, 40,000 employees. I mean, I, it's a $7 billion business, but I didn't realise there was that many employees. If you look at it, though, over the last, you've got the five-year chart up, or sorry, one-year chart up. If you look at it over the last three years, it's lost 10% per annum over the last three years relative to the market that's actually um, gained 2% per annum. They've got a new CEO in there. Uh, will he sort of uh, sweep the business clean again? He only owns 13,000 shares. I'd like to sort of, 13,000 dollars worth of shares rather. I'd like to see a bit more skin in the game. And that exiting from the Middle East is probably going to cost them about one and a half billion, uh, $1.8 billion rather. So they've got a few challenges. Of course, the big thing is what's Honchief going to do? The, the big German construction company, they own well over 70% now and they continue to creep up on the register. Um, as a recovery play potentially, but really I'd be wanting to see what the CEO is going to find when he opens the cupboard and starts uh, dragging all those skeletons out. Oh. <laughs> and uh, Henry, when, uh, when a new CEO comes in, they usually go through yep. the, uh, the cupboards, pull out all the skeletons, blame the previous regime yep. and, uh, and really uh, bang it down. It is a familiar playbook, as you say, Koshi. It's, um, it, it's one of those things that every new CEO does. Um, and Andrew's right. I mean, this one, uh, to me, uh, the, the problem it's got is 76% is owned by the, the, the overseas German uh, engineering business. So there's not that many to trade with. So it yeah. does tend to have uh, big moves. The big bounce off the low came about when they raised their stake and there was this theory. And it's still very valid that they would ultimately take out the minority stakeholders and maybe this um, the coronavirus outbreak gives them an opportunity with the shares knocked down 
to do that. It, it's quite possible, but I, I suspect German and Spanish engineering has their own issues at the moment. So, <laughs> well, a lot bigger issues than <laughs> Probably a lot yeah, bigger yeah, issue. Yeah, yeah. I guess the, the, the problem with Simic, and it, it's the same with Len Lease, and it's the same with a lot of these guys, is that they... They announced these fantastic contracts. I mean, Lendlease and, and Simic, you know, 350 million of this and 200 million of that. It sounds fantastic. The problem is the margins have been really skinny, and I think governments have been screwing them down on on those margins. And we saw it with Lendlease with their engineering division in terms of the West Connects and all that all that activity they've been doing. It really hurt them. Same with Simic as well. I think you know it's all very well to announce these big numbers contracts, which they do. Um, but the bottom line is that you know if you win a 300 million dollar contract and you're losing. Money on it, yeah. it's not great news. It, it all comes back to cost of goods sold, doesn't it? It you know, does. You can get the revenue. What's the cost of it? It does. I, you know, I, yeah. for me, the best that you can hope for, I, I think, is that you get taken out as a minority right. shareholder. Okay. Otherwise, it's, I think it's probably going to drift sideways until we. They should do well out of a kind of a stimulus package geared towards infrastructure. So should Downer. So should those sorts of companies. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's really, as Andrew says, they've got a new CEO, so they could do anything, and we know what they usually tend to do. Yeah. So um, sideways for me is probably a hold at best, hoping for a, an overseas rescue package. Right, okay, but you might need to be patient on yeah. that. <laughs> All right, our, uh, our fourth stock, um, Henry is Worley, the another engineering business uh, <laughs> going forward. Uh, yeah. Recently raised as well? Uh, they did. Think? They did yeah. raise. Um, they have also shored up their balance sheet through, um, they've got liquidity sorted in theory. The problem that Worley have, uh, along with others, is uh, they are very much geared to the oil price. They're very much an energy contractor. Yeah. I guess they're like the slumberger of Australian listings. They've made some big acquisitions and bad oil prices. And let's face it, we, we keep seeing you know, West Texas up 22% in the night. But it's from such low bases. Yeah. Um, and you have to imagine that drilling activity is continuing to fall. And these guys are going to be, I wouldn't say suffering, but it's, it's going to be hard work well, for them. Well, they're going to have to cut back CapEx, those sort of companies. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they do. Is... I mean, that's the, that's the thing. They, do, they yeah. do turn off the tap. Uh, yeah. pretty quickly although it's not that easy to shut in oil production sometimes right. it's quite especially if you're running low on cash it's probably cheaper for them to keep pumping and losing money than it is to spend the money to shut the production in in some cases so so Wally's had a pretty good bounce off its low but will it keep going I'm not so sure I th it's one of those great sentiment geared stocks if you think the oil price is going to go bananas and go, you know, Brent's, what, 24, 25 yeah. bucks at the moment, which is a better benchmark. If we see that going back to 30, then we'll, Wally will uh, continue to rally. But I think oil is still under pressure. But it's sort of, sort of a sector, isn't it, that the whole sector's a bit out of whack at the moment. Is it, is it a sector to avoid or just, just a stock? I'm not sure it's a sector to avoid. It's just a sector for the brave. Right. <laughs> I, I, I think you've got, you've got to be quite brave to, to dip into that sector because, as, as we said with, uh, with Simic and Len Lease, the, the problems remain. If you're getting these big contracts, the margins can sometimes be quite skinny and right. Worley especially geared to that energy market. We've already seen uh, Speedcast, which is geared to uh, oil drilling rigs in terms of data and communication packages. They've gone into Chapter 11, a different business, but yeah. you're seeing the impact there of what happens when you get this big slowdown in activity in the oil industry and when we got to negative numbers in uh, what was it that may contract in wt i mean ridiculous yeah, ridi <laughs> just yeah. crazy stuff bit of a historic day that, one was <laughs> that was. um you know i, I think it's, it's a it's a geared punt on improving oil and global recovery yeah.
Okay. Andrew? Yeah, look, I'd agree with Henry, surprisingly. Um, <laughs> but I, 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 well, look, we're three for three on agreeing that you shouldn't be doing these. And I think we're about to be four for four. Um, I guess, though, I look at the fact they've got 56,000 employees. That's huge. I, they've actually got more employees than Cynic. Um, but if you look at the oil and gas, the oil and gas is around 20% of their revenue. Uh, they're actually now getting more of their business in the chemicals business. So to Henry's point mm -hmm. around a, a leverage to recovery in uh, in the world economy, I'd probably be looking more at the chemicals business than the, the, the oil and gas side. Remembering if we go all the way back to the Wally Parsons days, they were very much focused on uranium. You know, when John Grill was uh, the chair, was the CEO, he's now, of course, the chair. Jeez, Andrew, um, you're old. The Those were the days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, don't. But don't tell me about that. Not, not as, <laughs> I concur. Not, not as follically challenged as you. But, yeah. uh, pretty, uh, close. Certainly, <laughs> pretty close. Pretty uh, close. We all want Henry's hair. We all want Henry's yeah, hair. No, exactly. seriously, look, a PE of 12 times is, is not too demanding. It's just disappointed the whole time. It, yeah. I've been watching it 20 years. It's disappointed the whole time. 490 was the low back there on that crazy day, the 23rd of March. I think we could potentially retest the lows and it's probably more of a trading share than an investing share at this stage. Right. Okay. So, Andrew, does a stock like sort of Monodelphus, is that in the same sort of orbit and a better alternative? Yeah, I mean, I haven't looked as closely at Monodelphus, but certainly you're right, it is in that, in that sort of orbit. But again, any of these cyclical businesses, I mean, yeah. you know, Henry touched on like lend lease i mean we're in we're in a world i mean i'm not trying to be a debbie downer here but yeah. we've got 30 million people unemployed in the us over the last month so you take the whole population of australia and you dump them in the us and you say you don't have a job um i mean i was on a call with a fund manager recently and they basically their view was their modeling showed that if that us hadn't put that 2.3 trillion dollars worth of stimulus through the share market should be about 40 percent lower Wow. So we're sort of, I mean, that's pretty scary numbers. So, you know, when I'm, when I'm putting my lens on it, I have no interest in these cyclical businesses from an investment perspective. I'm happy to yeah. trade them. Absolutely. No yeah. interest at all in actually buying them as an investment because how many people know what the real E is, the real earnings is going to be? There's no yeah. rule book. Every other crisis that we've had has been a financial crisis. This is an economic crisis. Yeah. So it's really hard with those styles of businesses, sorry. Okay, so how do you explain, Jim, you get off a call like that with, <laughs> with, with the fund manager, and then you get a client ring and say, what's the problem here? We, we've had the best April since 1988. What are you guys all being Spot bearish on. and, you know, what's your response? Oh, you, you, and that was my first question to said fund manager. I said, look, I'm a guy sitting here in Toowoomba. I get that, you know, but what is going on here? <laughs> and they're saying, we feel exactly the same as you. That his, Their exact words is, we are simply following the money. Mm. You know, so it's, it's not necessarily around, and I'm not having a go at them at all. I, yeah. I fully understand where they're coming from, that you have this, a huge wave of stimulus pumping through the market with interest rates at zero, where else is the money going to go? Yeah. So I fully understand why what they're saying. 
But from the point of view of the client conversation, you are just constantly reminding them, you know, this is an economic crisis. Some of those numbers I just threw at you. We need to be playing defence. We are not going to play offence. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The same, Henry? It's a big number, isn't it? Um, I was watching one of your rivals this morning. Uh, sorry, David. Yeah. Um, <laughs> CNBC. And, and because Singapore's on a holiday today, they had um, Jim Cramer on, on, oh, yeah. on Mad Money. Oh, yeah. And I, Mad I don't Money. usually watch Jim Cramer, I have to say. But... He was banging on about the 30 million people in the US who have filed yeah. for unemployment benefit. And he had this great um, slide up showing you know, where we are in terms of the, the coronavirus and, and what had been ticked off and how we'd been oversold, historically oversold, tech still doing well, um, the flattening of the curve and all this sort of stuff. But all this was baked into the market. And now we're starting to collide with reality, mm. which is there are, as Andrew rightly points out, the entire population of Australia is in fact unemployed in the US. Yeah. It is scary. And the, the numbers here will probably not reflect it because the official numbers take into account one hour work a week yeah. as, as being yeah. employed, which is a ridiculous uh, situation. So at some stage, this is going to collide and we're going to have to yeah. eventually go, well, hang on a second. The emperor does have very few clothes on here. Yep. Um, and following the money is what the markets are really good at. And as Andrew says, when you've got 0% interest rates, you've got $2 trillion being chucked at it, US dollars, and the ECB's chucking money at it, and Scott Morrison's chucking money at it. It's easy to get blinded sometimes by the amount of money. But we've seen it with the US where they, they go, do the Oliver, please, sir, can I have some more? Yeah. And they keep, they keep doing that. The first small yeah. business package uh, sold out in days. It was like uh, you know, it was like going yeah. to Glastonbury. Yeah. Uh, that, those tickets sold out pretty quickly. Yeah. So uh, you know, I think the longer it goes on, it's it, we're going to collide with reality, and yeah. the, even the whole weight of money argument is not going to hold up forever. Yeah. Um, it's, and we saw it. You know, Tom Hanks got sick, and the market collapsed. Yeah. Um, because it's reality. Everyone went, oh, hang on a second. Real yeah. people are, and, and celebrities can get sick. I've as just well. been doing a newsletter this morning, and and it's all based on psychology and it, it worries me this massive rebound in april and the fact we're all focused on flattening the curve oh yeah and restrictions being lifted we've won we've won isn't it looking great but then the financial and economic impact oh. is just it's it's showing in america and gonna start showing here as well is it? and that's yeah. that's yeah. a hefty dose of reality when your kids and your neighbors out of work or you know, cut back yep. hours, is not spending, can't go out to dinner with you. Yep. That's when it becomes tough. It is, it is. And it's, it's real world consequences of, of something that we have really little control over. And the mm. other day when the market rallied on the Gilead drug trial, yeah. I mean, come on. And there was, I was listening to guys on the TV saying it's a vaccine. It's not a vaccine. No. And it's an experimental it's a drug and it's a treatment <laughs> that helps people get recovery three days quicker. Yeah. They still get sick. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. And then CoreLogic comes out and just in the last month has shown inner city Melbourne and Sydney rental listings are up 35%. Oh, yeah. 35% rental property listings yep. is, yep. that's what's to come. Yep. We've got to get used to it. Yep. All right. Yeah. And so I'm pleased I asked you uh, both that because, <laughs> no, no, it's been worrying me. People, yeah, no, no. people have been going... Hey, this market is there to make money. We've just we just skipped over the issues with the I'm going, oh geez, I'm not quite sure about that. We we will skip over the issues until we don't. 
Yeah. And then one day, reality, something will happen. There'll be a trigger again, like there was in 87, like there was in the GFC. There'll be the Lehman moment. There'll be the, yeah. the flattening of the curve moment that doesn't flatten. It'll suddenly go hockey stick. And that yeah. will be the, the Lehman moment when everyone goes, oh, hang on a second. Yeah. We're going to be living with this for the next year, two years, maybe, who knows? Yep. And our fifth stock, integrated research. Um, Henry, a software for basically infrastructure and payments, isn't it? Payment system business. Yeah, these guys are riding high. They're, they're pretty yeah. much uh, back to where they were before this. Got a big following in the market. Got a big they? following. It's not the most liquid, but they have got a big following. Um, the results have been pretty good. Yeah. And uh, also the fact they are in that critical infrastructure space in terms of banks, IT, um, also um, airlines, probably not so good at the moment. But, but data and the ability to, to analyze that data for management, I think is, you know, certainly at the moment is crucial. And to be able to analyze where uh, your costs are or where you can cut those costs, where, what's happening in your business, I think is crucial. So these guys are doing well. Yeah. And I, I can't see any reason why they shouldn't continue to do well. Right. So for me, it, it's definitely in the in the buy category. It's, it's got momentum on its side. It's been a good bounce back. It's been a great bounce it? back, and it, it's another one of these stocks. I guess you know, as with Nearmap as well, it's that scarcity value that we have in Australia in terms of uh, tech stocks. Yeah. Um, and this is a quality stock. All the numbers stack up. Uh, they've been all heading in the right direction. The chart looks good, and uh, the business itself, the mm. underlying business, is. Is a good business, so I think it's still a buy. But you know, you'd want to try and buy it on the bad days. Maybe even you know days like today when you're down two or three hundred points or two twenty, yeah. whatever it is. Um, those are the days when you try and nibble away at these sorts of things to try and take advantage of them. But but yeah, for me, yeah, I think it's definitely an accumulate. Andrew. Yeah, and I absolutely just if we park IRI just very briefly, that nibbling point that Henry has made is spot on. You know, you don't go today's the day and just put it all in. Yep. You've got the shopping list and then you're incrementally adding to it. Uh, look, I like IRII, uh, no debt, so the chance of a capital raising is pretty low. I mean, when you've got customers like BHP, Colesmeyer, ANZ, uh, that's all pretty positive. 25% of the Fortune 500 is on their client list. Um, so, yeah, certainly from my point of view, it would be a buy and weakness. A good management team. Great management team and, uh, you know, not... Uh, not out there promoting themselves, which is potential for me. I like that, you know, not really into the show ponies, but equally so, you know, they probably could be um, out there a little bit more, but certainly is um, a strong business, great management team. So, yeah, happy with this one. Okay. All right. I'm glad you both are. I thought, what a grumpy <laughs> bunch of blokes you've been. We're, we're halfway through. We had, we've had a no on IDP, a no on Nearmap, no on Simic, um, sort of. Henry was a, a bit kind and uh, had a hold on, no, hold on Simic. Yes, yes you did yes, hold did. for a day. Yeah, I did, yeah, yeah. Uh, and both are no on Wally, both a yes on integrative research. So <laughs> halfway through the 10 stocks, we've got one uh, unanimous opinion on, uh, on integrative research. So that's, uh, that's a good finish up for the first five. Um, our sixth stock in the funds management business, uh, Magellan Global Equities. Um, Andrew, sort of in terms of that funds management sector, uh, regarded as a, sort of being being the, the the blue chip of the sector, isn't it, Magellan? 
Oh, look, um, Hamish Douglas and the team, they've done an amazing job. Um, so certainly Magellan as a business, and I know we're talking about MGE, but, you know, the broader MFG uh, empire, yeah. uh, strong business. And, you know, when they were coming under pressure, happy to look at them. Relating to MGE, I mean, it's a $1.6 billion fund. Um, you know, if you look at their top 10 holdings, you can see why they've done so well. Like over the last three months, they're down 1% relative to the market which is down nine so yeah. you know things like microsoft alibaba alphabet facebook by taking those highly concentrated positions that's why they've done so well uh, the management fee if i could put it so eloquently is healthy at 1.35 percent plus a 10 percent excess um, <laughs> uh, performance fee um, you know you can compare and contrast that with say you could buy vgad which is a broad-based etf it's MER, management expense ratio is 21 bips, and you get 1,200 names. But to Hamish's um, credit, you know, he's outperformed the market uh, markedly. So certainly for clients who want to take a more active approach, um, Magellan's done really well, but you've got to be aware that there is, in fact, that concentrated exposure. Right. Henry? It's, um, yes, very much the cult of Hamish. I mean, you're, you're getting uh, Hamish's smarts in this one. Uh, okay. as we should explain Hamish's not just a fund manager, uh, he's sort of like the Mick Jagger of funds management here in Australia, is he? Yeah, he's a very, very, he's a very good communicator. He's a very smart guy yeah. um, and he's very good at marketing and presentation and Magellan do a fantastic job in that respect. Uh, and, and this is no exception. I mean, Hamish runs the fund uh, and as Andrew says, it's very much geared towards those big international um, you know, big names, the Facebooks, the Amazons. Yeah. I think looking at Microsoft, they've got 7.3% of their holding is in Microsoft. Alibaba, Alphabet, Facebook, Starbucks, Novartis, Visa, yeah. not so good last night. Um, but they, these are big kind of Warren Buffett brand name sort of things. And Hamish has done a, a pretty good job with this one. So if, if you like global equities, and there's many ways to play it now, they're not uh, Robinson Crusoe here because of all the, the ETFs that we now have and lots yeah. of different fund managers. Um, so, but you're certainly buying into that, the Hamish Douglas story, yeah. the Magellan smart. Is he is he worth the, as Andrew eloquently the, the, put the it, the generous management, uh, fee? management fee? Um, <laughs> well, I tell you what, you look at the, uh, since inception, the fund's up 11.5% right. against their index, which they track of 8%. So they've right. outperformed by 3.5%. Right. So it's not mind-blowingly staggering um, in that respect. And when you take out fees, you're probably uh, not much different to actually investing in the underlying indices. So, right. um, but there is, you know, it's timing. And, and this goes, I guess, to all the stocks we've been talking about. And because the market's so volatile, you know, Simic can be a hold today, but it can be a screaming buy tomorrow because the index has fallen another 400 points or it could be a screaming sell. It's really hard at the moment. You're pinning the tail on the donkey yep. at one specific sort of slice of time. Um, and it could, you know, even by the time I get back in the car and drive back to the office, the world could have changed again. Who yep. knows? So, yep. but at the you know, for, for the sort of thing they do, they do it very well. Uh, Hamish has got a fantastic following. He, he's done a, an exceptional job. Yeah. Um, and this is this is a quality fund, and you know what you're getting. It's very transparent. Okay. There's no um, smoke and mirrors here. Um, it's 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 a liquid investment that actually okay. reflects the underlying price. So for someone of those who's assets. a bit nervy about investing yeah, great place in to stocks, start. yes. Well, a yes for you, you are, Andrew. If it's somebody who's 
really doesn't want to invest in overseas stocks directly. It's a it's a good bellwether fund. Oh, absolutely. I mean, right. I think there's lots of reasons you may not consider doing it directly and using either an ETF yeah. or an active manager like Magellan. So very yeah. comfortable with MGE. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. Uh, we're on a roll. Oh, yes, for the second stock in a row. <laughs> Excellent. Or, or fun. Um, in a similar vein, we've just been talking about ETFs, the, the BetaShares US Strong Bear Fund. Um, what do you reckon, Henry? That this is... Correct me if I'm wrong. This is sort of like an ETF that hedges against yeah. falls in markets, isn't it? It, it, it? Basically, it does the opposite of what the market does. So yeah. if the market goes up, it goes down right. and vice versa. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of these products around, a lot of ETFs around. There's a bear one, uh, which does the same with our market on the ASX 200. This one is a geared one. So it actually sort of has a multiplier effect and... As a result, you've got to be a little bit careful because they are adding some secret sauce, I guess, to right. the way. Um, and you, you can see this can graph see there, yeah. when when everyone else was coming down in March, yep. it went through the roof because yep. it was betting the other yep. side, and it's since come down in April because yep. we've had the best market since 1988 or whatever it is. Yeah, that's yep. exactly. I mean, that's exactly right. This yep. does the opposite. This is your this is your hedge. The, the question mark comes over whether you want a hedge that is uh, a, a pure kind of instrument with no leverage, no gearing, which in some ways is far simpler, or you want one that's got a little bit of secret source that gives you that leverage. Right. If, if you buy one that's got some leverage to the downside of the market, you probably don't have to buy as much to get the same bang for your buck, which right. is good. Yeah. Um, whereas the other one you have to, if it's a 2% for a 1% move, you obviously got to buy twice as many. So it just depends on your, your sort of risk profile. But what tends to happen is the more exotic ETFs, uh, the active managers, when the, when the custard hits the fan, that does tend to create um, pockets of illiquidity sometimes, should we say, and it doesn't always get reflected in the price properly. Oh. So you've got to be a little bit careful of that. Whereas an underlying ETF that just tracks the US market penny for penny, percentage yeah. for percentage is is much easier to work out this one could be um, you know, there's one the BBOZ which is an Australian one which tracks the Aussie market the ASX 200 negatively it's geared between 2 to 2.7 percent so you're not really kind of sure mm, okay. it could be two and a half it could be two right. whereas the, the plain vanilla ones one percent is a one percent move so one percent up is a one percent move down and right. vice versa so it's a good hedging mechanism and there's lots out there right. uh, lots of different ways to hedge this is just one of them right uh, Andrew, sort of in a portfolio to yeah. your clients, how, how would you recommend this or would you recommend it? Oh, prob probably not on a long-term basis. Like it's not part of our model portfolio, if that's what you're asking. It's yeah. more of a thematic, I think the world's going to custard. Uh, you know, you might put it in there. I mean, I was looking at the performance over five years. So over five years, it's down, this BBUS is down 23% per annum relative to the S&P 500 up 9% per annum. Yeah. So if you had it purely in there as part of the portfolio, you wouldn't. But if you sort of, you know, whenever the date was that things started going silly, end of Feb, you go, there's a bit of bother coming here. I'm going to put whatever percent, 5% or 2% or whatever the number is, right. uh, then sure, as a short-term thematic. But I think Henry is absolutely on the money where he's saying it's geared. And so you are playing with fire that, you know, if, thing, if your call is right, you're going to make more money. But if you're wrong, as we saw over that five-year period, 
you're going to burn some serious money. Again, got to bear in mind, you're paying 1.4% per annum as an ETF fee, which is pretty uh, pretty out there. I mean, the reason you're paying is the secret source and US futures and all that sort of stuff. But uh, So yeah, if you did, I, I, if you did do it, you'd go for a one-for-one, one, as, as Henry was saying. Yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're on the positive, you, you, you'd be sort of looking at gear. You know, there's an Australian yeah. one, uh, I think it's a better shares, you'd do gear. But um, and I think it's bear is the uh, is the one for one. I'd be pretty cautious. There's an Australian one, BBOZ, which is similar. You are playing with fire. Right. Okay, but but you reckon we're going to have a pullback? You said earlier to test the lows of March. Yep. So this Absolutely. would go. But, this mean, would go great. Yep. Yeah. Well, if I'm right, where's my crystal ball? <laughs> Who's got that crystal ball? Uh, <laughs> Yep. Uh, look, I mean, if I'm right, absolutely. You know, you'd be yep. you'd be certainly looking at this. You'd look at BBOZ, but uh, you know, I also said that you know there's 2.3 trillion dollars worth of money. Plus, as Henry said, the ECB came to the party last night as well, uh, and you know we could apply the most forensic economic analysis to this. But the weight of money will push it the other way. Right. My personal view is it will retest those. Okay. All right. So a no for uh, for that BBUS, the the ETF hedging against the uh, the US market. Uh, our eight stock um, in a well-run company, car sales. com. dot au. Yep. But, but again, Henry, in that sector, the cycle. Yeah. Uh, we're seeing it doing tough at the moment. We are seeing it doing tough at the moment. There was a report out on um, global car sales. This morning, global new car sales, I think it was down sort of 20% wow. for the year. It, it's going to be tough out there. We saw AP Eagers yesterday as well. Uh, they're cutting yes. 1,200 staff, uh, rent reductions. They're just not selling cars. It's, it's tough out there for car sales. It is a quality company. It's a platform, which is yeah. great. It's the most uh, widely used platform. It's got a very resilient business model. They've also got exposure to Brazil and South Korea too. Uh, South Korea probably not a bad thing to have, but Brazil, that could mm. be um, that could be a complete mess if they're not careful there with their their, their prime minister or president or yeah. um, and Mexico there in as yeah. well. I think. So uh, there is an issue there, but it's a very well-run company. If you believe that no one's ever going to buy a car again, then maybe you, you you don't want to be in these sorts of stocks. But of course, things will return to normal. And people will go out and spend money and buy cars. But at the moment, because everything's so difficult to quantify in terms of the economic impact of those 30 million people in the US or the, or the people in Australia that are being made uh, unemployed and the, and the cutbacks, it's really hard to get excited about this. But, yeah. And Andrew, a lot of the revenue for car sales does come from dealers, doesn't it? It does. Um, I mean, I look at the fact that they've withdrawn guidance and as Henry said, you know, AP Eagers is really, you know, what they cut 1,200 positions from memory. Yeah. Um, I like the fact that the board has actually taken a haircut on their pay, as mm. as has the senior executives. The debt's pretty high, though. They've got about 190 million on hand. So are they potentially a candidate for a capital raising? PE of 30 times. And as Henry said, the time to be buying them was March 23rd there when they bottomed out at 10.47. So... Um, what we've got to remember, though, you know, going back in history, these and Seek were really the two businesses that destroyed Fairfax, oh, if you think of it that way. You know, Destroy, took the rivers of gold. Was, hmm. 
Very much so. So seek and, and car sales. So, you know, strong underlying foundation. It's but to Henry's point, and I've laboured the economics of it as well. Are you wanting to get into a business which is cyclical at a time where we don't really know where the world's at economically? But strong business. And if we have another down day and you can get them in those tens, you'd be all over it. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fair, fair enough. Every, everything depends on price at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is a bit like going to yep. the David Jones sale. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when where they're, when going, they're open. Yeah, so I was going to say, where are David Jones going to be? All right, our ninth stock today um, is Woolworths. Uh, has been riding the, uh, the, the panic sales of toilet paper and sanitizer <laughs> um, and pasta and everything. Um, Andrew... Incredible sales figures, along with Coles as well. Uh, can it last, or have we have we seen the peak there? Oh, look, I'm a little attached to these ones. Um, my first ever share I bought back in 1994 as a, a, a wee youngster, and I paid four bucks for them. So oh, you know, oh, wow. I, I do love my woolly shares. Have you but, still got them? Um, <laughs> uh, no, I don't. Um, but. Uh, Anyway, there's a whole other story which we can go into off air about that. Um, if you look at those figures <laughs> yesterday that they came out with, um, as you said, they were great numbers, but it was just because we were being stupid and hoarding all those things that we shouldn't have been hoarding. The guidance they've given us is around the fourth quarter. So the fourth quarter is still looking at high single-digit sales. Interestingly, customers are doing fewer shops, so they're getting less of that impulse buying going on. Uh, and we're also seeing significant shopping in those community stores, not the big malls. So mm. they're probably two big headwinds for them. Big, big increase in costs, you know, $275 million because of security, stopping people stealing toilet paper from each other, cleaning, protective stuff for staff. And, of course, that hotels business is under immense pressure. I mean, they're probably not going to open yeah. again until September so probably the one positive I saw out of it was Big W sales were improving because as we know for many years, Big W's has been very ordinary. So look, on balance, I think as a, as a defensive, as a staple in an environment where I'm right and it comes off, you probably want to have some of these. Um, but are they compelling bang the table buy? No, it's probably part of your defence strategy. Okay. Henry? I hate to say it, I agree with Andrew. Right. Um, and I, I noticed it yesterday. Oh. <laughs> I noticed yesterday when I went into the, the local Woolies to get some, some shopping, all the temporary kind of measures they'd put in place with the, with the bottle of hand sanitizer and the, and the young girl helping you scrub down the, the, the trolley, etc. all that's now been replaced by far more permanent, uh, costly measures, I guess, right. with big plastic screens instead of just yeah. you know, a little sticker on the floor or some masking tape. So the businesses are adapting, which is good. But as Andrew says, the fact that they own a big chunk of pubs and they're not going to be open. And the problem with Australia, I guess, as well, is that our pubs are big pubs. They're yep. not like little English pubs <laughs> where you can just go in cosily and there's four yeah. of you in there and you can sit by the fire with the dog. Um, Australian pubs are, are, are drinking barns, yeah. and that really doesn't work in this kind of environment. So uh, I think as a defensive stock, yes, they're great. Um, we've seen the big surge in sales. That's going to come off. People are going to return to some sort of normality. Um, and we have seen in the last, I guess, especially in America and, and here as well, this sector rotation as people f move out of defensive stocks into the sexy ones, the near maps, the, the IRIs and those sorts of stocks. We've seen the sexy sectors, especially yesterday and, and sometimes this week, um, the defensive have really underperformed. Yeah. Um, I suspect if we do start to see the market pull back slightly, 
um, after this big run that we've had, the defences may hold up better than some of the sexy stocks, um, in which case Woolies could have their day. But it, it's not, mm. it's not going to blast mm. the lights out. Let, let's face it, it's, it's, yeah. it's a defensive place to put your money. And so it, these prices? Uh, it's it's it probably, it's a hold, you know, if right. you, especially if you're looking for alternatives to the banks, which have increasingly been a, a massively volatile situation with, with what could be no dividends. Yeah. Uh, we've seen with ANZ the, um, the, the deferral of the dividend and NAB's cutting it to 30 cents. We wrote in the newsletter this morning how, you know, that we've got to be careful because the, the national bank dividend's coming off and it will affect the market. I'm thinking, you know what? No, it's not. It's 30 cents. Yeah. No one cares yeah. anymore. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. not $2. Yeah. Um, so, you know, obviously that, that's something that we just get used to in our psyche. Yeah. Bank dividends or big hits of the market. You know what? Not anymore. Yeah. So a hold for Woolies. Hold. Yeah. Same with you, Andrew. A hold for defensive stocks. Yep. Um, and And I suppose, you know, if there is going to be another, the last pullback in the market was over the health fears, wasn't yep. it? The disaster. The next pullback in the market, and, and because of the health fears, everyone went out and started hoarding and buying up big. Yep. The next pullback in the market will be economic, yep. and people aren't going to go and hoard and panic buy, are they? They're, no, no. They're, they're going to look at cutting. Yeah, I, I think there'll be, uh, you know, as restrictions ease, we're all going to race out and meet up with our favourite people and yep. do our favourite things that we do. But then after a week, you're going to look at your bank balance and go, well, hang on a second. Yes. Can't do that too much more often. My hours and there won't be a, the bunkering down that we've seen, no. but there will be a, a, a bunkering down. And if pubs are not open till September, that's, that's going to that's gonna hurt. Yeah. Okay. So a hold on Woolies from both Andrew and Henry. Uh, our 10th stock in the call today is uh, Breville, uh, manufacturer and, and marketer of, of household products. And so this is always the cycle to go through. The, the first was a panic on toilet paper and a shortage. <laughs> then it turned to flour yep. and cake mix because everyone was home and decided to start baking, <laughs> baking a lot more. And Andrew, I suppose, using your Breville mixture. Yeah, or your Breville kettle or yeah, whatever the Breville appliance of choices. Um, everyone's into the tea. I saw at Woolies the other day, they had like, you could only buy two packets of tea. I've gone, wow, really? really? <laughs> anyway, maybe, maybe it's just you, it's warm. You, 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 you Queenslanders, <laughs> you know, the, the, the southern yeah. states were at Dan Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Dan's. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Dan's, yes. Uh, look, I like for I think it's a good little business. And even if I was just looking at it today, you know, the market's off, what, say 4%, just to give it a number. Breville is down uh, half a percent. So, you know, it's a great little business. Shares up 21% over the last three years. If, if I was trying to pick a hole in it, the hole I would pick in it is that 58% of their sales comes from the US and 19% comes from Europe. And I think economically, as we know, they're under a fair bit of pressure over there at the moment. Uh, Solly Lou owns 27%, and that gives me immense comfort. Um, short interest is rising on it a little bit, but uh, yeah, great little business, and I would have this um, as a buy on any significant weakness. It's a it's a well-run little business. Okay. Well, not that little, 2.3 billion. <laughs> yep. Not that little at all. I've got to say, I, I'm with Andrew on this one again. Uh, great minds think alike. It, it's a great business. They've got... Um, the Breville coffee makers, and you know, if, if you're struggling for um, 
for your disposable income, what better way than to actually buy a decent coffee machine and yep. instead of spending $4 in your local cafe, um, is to uh, do it at home. And of course, they've got other consumables. And as you rightly say, everyone's out there baking. My daughter's become a master baker. It's yep. quite scary. You know, it's <laughs> banana bread every day. <laughs> So, um, it's good to see, though, isn't it? It's that great. It's it, it is fantastic. There is some good coming out of this, this yeah. whole um, yeah. debacle um, and this crisis. So I, I like this stock. Um, at these prices, it's probably a hold. I think, you know, it, right. again, it comes down to price. But yeah. it's a good quality, well-managed company with Solly Lou's, as Andrew says, big shareholder, big sales in Europe, big sales in the U.S., um, they've been going great guns for them. It languished for a long, long time. Yeah. And I was scratching my head because I'd recommended it in the newsletter. And I was recommending it on the back of this new pizza oven they had that they were pushing into America. Yeah. And, and it just, nothing happened. And then suddenly they had the results and they went, oh, hang on a second. These things are yeah. making a fortune. And they just went bananas. Yeah. Um, I, I like the stock. It's just price it comes down to. It yeah. accumulate on any weakness at these sorts of prices, probably a hold. It is. Um, and it's great to see a great Australian brand name company, yeah. isn't it? Do, do well and have a resurgence. And the technology, they've, they've been really good with the technology. They've been really good with product design. It, it's, you know, they, they're good design, sexy products that yeah. do what they say they're supposed to do on the tin, <laughs> which, is, which is heartening. Um, and they've marketed them really well. Yeah, all right. Uh, Andrew, did you ever think Henry Jennings would call a mix master or a, <laughs> a, 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 a Breville sexy? I, I, if you'd asked me that six weeks ago, I would have said no, but the world is a very different place. And we've all, whether, whether we're in you know, too much isolation or drinking too much tea or having too much banana bread, uh, I'm not shocked by any. Andrew Whelan, it's been fabulous to have you on the call. Risha, really appreciate your time. Uh, from Dornbush Partners. Um, thank you again. Thanks, Koshi. Thanks, and Andrew Jennings from Marcus today. Always great to have you on the program as Pleasure. well. So let's take a look at the uh, the last five stocks um, in order. The um, uh, the Bear uh, ETF um, uh, from the US. A, a no from both the guys. Uh, car sales, great Australian company. If you can pick it up for around ten bucks on on a pullback looks pretty attractive. A hold for Woolworths and uh, a buy for Breville, but again, on weakness with the, uh, with the share market coming back um, and a tick for Magellan Global as well. So uh, thank you for that. And uh, if you want to send in any suggestions for the call, you can email us the suggestions, uh, the call at ausbiz.com.au or send your suggestions through Twitter as well. And make sure... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.